0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. What it do? Episode 80, for the love of the game, let's cook. Da, 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 da. It's the one and only D-Go Double G. No go, no da, da 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 You know what happened with the D-R-E. Yeah, 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 You know the West Coast is back for all you suckers. Whoa, suckers
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Put something in Blaise it, it Blaise
1: in Blaise Blaise. yeah. Blaise. Suck no. Top dog, bottom yeah, I'm burning it up. DPGC, you should be turning it up. LBC yeah, we hooking back up. And when they bang this in the club, baby, you got to get up. Cause homies, stuff homies, yeah, they give it Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Episode eighty for the love of the game. Your man's is back at it, back behind the mic. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody's uh, staying uh, healthy and safe. Well, the last week and a half or so, well, the country's gone a little crazy, to put it mildly, but my brand is Positive Vibes only, and we will stick to that on this show. There are many avenues, many different outlets to talk about more serious issues, uh, many other places to consume that type of content. This will not be that place. Uh, the NBA is officially back. The owners, the players, they voted on the 22-team format to return to play in Orlando. The season will resume hopefully July 31st. That's the projected date. The teams will play eight regular season games. And then if the ninth-place team in each conference is within fourth place of the, I should say, four games of the eighth-place team, then there will be a play-in tournament of sorts to see who gets the eighth and final seed in the playoffs. We're going to talk a lot more about this, about the ins and outs of the NBA's plan uh, with a recurring guest who happens to work at the NBA. But this is good news, and I really, really like the solution they came up with. Two nights ago, instead of binging The Sopranos, which I've been doing lately, um, not a whole lot of live action given uh, the state of affairs, given quarantine. um, So I started The Sopranos for the beginning for the first time. I decided to watch NBA TV. A hardwood classic was on, Game 1, 2001 NBA Finals, where Allen Iverson dropped 48 points, and the classics step over Teron Liu to upset the Los Angeles Lakers in Game 1 of that series. That Laker team, for those who don't know, went 15-1 in the playoffs. That was their only loss, and they won the title, their second title in as many years, uh, in dominant, dominant fashion. So many things and thoughts about this game. Iverson was an absolute warrior. Young Kobe Bryant, R.I.P., Uh, He didn't have a great game offensively, but he was such a great defender. And sometimes it didn't even matter when it came to guarding Allen Iverson. Prime Shaq was an absolute problem. And I, for the life of me, don't understand how that Philly team was able to beat that Laker team in that game. Anyway, it was such a pleasure to watch a sporting event again. So, yeah, the NBA coming back is awesome, and I can't wait. Just think, sports fans. Picture this. Labor Day weekend, which is not all that far away. You could have NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, the Kentucky Derby. I believe the U.S. Open Golf Tournament, if I'm not mistaken, will be that weekend as well. That's projected to be a wild, wild weekend of sports. So for all of you who have been having withdrawal, sports withdrawal, just like I have, now just sit tight. Sit tight just a little bit and enjoy the summer weather because better days are ahead. Positive vibes only. One thing before we get into tonight's guests, and again, I will not be discussing real current events, especially politics on this show. That's not my thing. But there is one thing I need to comment on. One thing. We're going to go a little off-brand for a second. So as you all know, one of my idols, my inspirations for this show is none other than Bill Simmons. His company, The Ringer, was just bought by Spotify for $200 million. So he has a huge platform. So I understand why he would feel the need to comment on the George Floyd situation. There's nothing wrong with that. It's personally not my thing. There's nothing wrong with that. He had his scheduled guest, a guy I love to listen to, Ryan Rossillo, on for his normal Monday show. an important point given the timeline of when George Floyd was uh, tragically murdered. They spoke about the tragedy and the state of what's going on in America for about 40 minutes. 40 minutes to start the show. A layered, deep conversation. And then they switched gears after that amount of time to talk about the latest NBA news and included a segment or an episode of the redraftables that they do, which I find tremendous. Fine. At the end of the George Floyd part of the conversation, Bill suggested that he would do something going forward to raise awareness. Great. Perfect. Wonderful. I think that's awesome. He had D Ray McKesson on a civil rights activist. He had him on the show last Wednesday. So the next show he had somebody on to, to talk more about the issue. It was a very insightful conversation. You would think that this episode wouldn't be problematic, but no, That's not the way the world works anymore, apparently. The Twitter mob seemed to have gotten to Bill, and Bill apologized for, quote, not understanding the moment and not reading the temperature of the room in that moment. I'm sorry, what? So you're telling me that someone in sports media, I reiterate, sports media should apologize for doing what he's best at. And that is doing his job, something that he's exceptional at. And after he used his platform for 40 minutes to talk about current events, that somehow is insensitive. The fact that he had his normal scheduled guest on who happens to be, you know, another white guy, that's insensitive. Give me a fucking break. This has nothing, and I repeat, nothing to do with politics, or at least it shouldn't. The fact that this podcast episode was deemed insensitive, like someone talking about a very delicate topic for 40 minutes, shedding light on something to millions of people, but that's not enough for some people, and that his guest was somehow unfit to talk about it, given who he is, let alone the color of his skin. Are you kidding me? This cancel culture Twitter mob shit needs to stop. It needs to stop. Not everybody is going to have the same voice. Not everyone will shed light on certain issues and discuss them the same way and to the same degree. It shouldn't be people trying to one-up each other on how they show solidarity for something. A lot of things, you know, on social media, especially Instagram, seem fake and superficial in this respect. And it's not like Bill didn't take action, which he said that, he would. His podcast, again, two days later, did just that. And people are still mad. It's an outrage. It's a damn outrage. Listen, I'm a guppy in this industry. I'm just getting started. I have a moderate Instagram following. And someone asked me, legitimately asked me this past week why I didn't post the black box on Instagram. It's insane. It's lunacy, and it's vulture-like society, and it needs to stop. Now, maybe if one day my show grows, I'll have a different perspective. Who's to say that, that I won't change? But one thing I'll never do, and this will I will never change. I will never apologize for being me, talking sports and trying to make people laugh. That's my brand. That's what I'm trying to do, because guess what? You know it helps a lot? in disturbing times, levity, humor, things to escape pain and hurt and just taking a break from always being angry. That's not sweeping issues or sensitive subjects under the rug. That's not what that is. It's just having an outlet for levity, for normalcy, because to be on the edge and to be angry all the time, it's not healthy and it doesn't help. So hopefully this show grows and I gain more of a following. I would say 95 or, you know what, I should say 99% of my audience understands this. They may not agree with me totally, but they understand it. For those of you who haven't listened yet or are new to the show and need to be educated because you don't get it and you probably don't like it, fine, move on. I don't care. Move on to the next thing to be mad about. But don't preach to me that I'm not taking something seriously enough, or that somebody else isn't taking something seriously enough because it doesn't fit your mold or your prerogative. This cancel culture, but it is a cancer culture as well. It needs to stop. It's bullshit. Enough already. Enough. All right, off uh, the soapbox. As I said, positive vibes only. Let's talk about the return of the NBA with a uh, recurring guest, one of my favorite recurring guests in just a moment. Okay, so I teased it before, uh, one of my favorite recurring guests, uh, somebody who was just on last episode, uh, he actually works for the NBA, Mr. Phil Bousk. The NBA is back. How you doing, Phil?
0: Good. Thanks for having me back. Long time no speak. Uh, I know we couldn't have uh, Moshe on the call because he knows absolutely nothing about basketball, but I'm um, happy to be back and, you know, waiting for doing all the work and prep for the season to start soon.
1: So, yeah, I mean... He he just would have been out of his element uh, in this show, and, and we want to you know showcase the best of him. So we we I, so I bring him on for baseball and the bachelor. Uh, so uh, let's uh, kick things off. Um, your thoughts on the uh, the solution the NBA came to? What did you like about the format? What did you not like about it? Um, let's start there.
0: Well, I like I always start by saying I like the idea of not bringing all thirty teams back. I've always been on board for that because the more people you bring in exponentially per team, the more risk there is. And, and as much as I'd like to say, Oh, the players are going to, you know, stay in the bubble and do the things correct. I don't really know. And if you have teams that can't make the playoffs guys, might take it less seriously. So the first thing I really liked the team, the league really always looked at, uh, there was a scenario with 30 teams. But I think the most serious ones involved 22 or 20 teams. I, I personally like the, the playing aspect. Um, with regards to the Western conference, I think it's a bit silly to have the wizards there, but they wanted to play. Uh, They were very much in favor of uh, getting to this bubble. Uh, I I, I like the uh, world cup pool play idea that didn't end up going through more from a fan perspective. I think us as fans would have really enjoyed that, but the competition aspect in terms of how it would have impacted seeds like the Clippers, Lakers and bucks. It's really unfair. It really minimizes their regular season accomplishments. So from, a, from an employee standpoint I do like the new format in that sense because uh, as much as I just like the Lakers as a Celtics fan I do think they've had a great season and it should be it should it should make a difference um, also about the the, uh, the new format I think it's very interesting uh, that there was a certain cutoff like that Phoenix will be there and how I don't know exactly how they ended up with the amount of games backs games back they looked at for the formula to say who should be there but i think they really ended up hitting the nail on the head with, with definitely regarding to the western conference of the teams being there um because to end the regular season with just let's say going one to 16 it's just not fair there's still so much so much time left and we've seen in sports in general we've seen crazy comebacks in every sport in terms of making the play postseason so you got to give teams a chance to try to get in
1: i i agree with you i was about to ask you um how they came up with the uh, the six games back number, which uh, basically let Washington get in and um, and Phoenix get in. I mean, Phoenix isn't going to make the playoffs, but it, I, I guess it's not. It's nice for them to uh, be represented. It's nice for Devin Booker to play some meaningful games, I guess. Uh, and I th- and and I guess the, that they couldn't just bring teams back from the Western Conference and not anybody back from the East. Because it would just look really bad. So I, I guess they came up with that number of games to include Washington. I mean, I don't know.
0: Well, there's a whole there's a whole team that works for them. And there's a formula they go into. Evan Watts, uh, I never say his name correctly because I just never say it right. And his group, they in basketball operations, they do everything like right. they are very fine tooth comb going over every number and looking at the scenarios. My guess is to get the twenty second team there. It makes us making the schedule a little easier. I mean, I know it definitely makes the schedule making it a little easier. I don't think there there's much concern about the optics of, let's say, having 21 teams and they're all they're all the extra teams are Western Conference. We're not kidding ourselves. We know the um, bottom of the Eastern Conference is not very good compared to the rest of the Western Conference, but we always have the argument that um, there is competitive balance in the sense that the top teams, the top five to six teams in the East, are really just as good as the top four or five teams in the West.
1: I've been on that all I season. Yeah, I've
0: been on that. I know the West was better, but the Raptors, you know, they won the championship. So there's definitely competition. It's just, you know, when you, when you have the Knicks and the Bulls and the Cavs just really in awful scenarios right now, it's hard to compete. When they're all playing each other, they're beating each other, and they're losing to the eighths and seventh seeds of the Eastern Conference, it's not going to gonna, gonna work out standings-wise.
1: I'm with you that I – so I'm generally a traditionalist when it comes to sports, right? I, I, I'll i admit it. Like I, I generally try to resist change in terms of formatting. I get it that this year was going to be weird uh, given the nature of the, uh, the events that unfolded. But my whole thing was the regular season. They played 75% of the regular season. That's got to count for something, right? So when it came to like the group play idea – or like a, a play-in tournament for, you know, they're gonna do that seven through twelve kind of thing. Um, right. a play-in tournament. I, I just think like for like Memphis and Dallas, let's use the Western Conference, for example, because they're the seventh and eighth seed. Memphis and Dallas should yeah. have every advantage because they've earned it through 75% of the season. I mean, Milwaukee should be able to, you know, be a one seed, right? And and play like legit, their competition that they earned the right to play. So in a sense I do think the NBA got it right. I I, I have no doubts that Adam Silver and the whole the whole NBA team was going to do whatever they could do to minimize the health risk. That that was never my concern. Um and but to bring back 22 teams I I thought was smart and, and let's face it. The league needs the RSN money um for the extra eight regular season games. I know people thought that it was that eight was high, but if it's feasible to do it, you got to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the RSN money is always a, is a key element for the owners and the teams, and I'm not just the owners, but the players as well, because you want uh, you want the cap numbers to say as yeah. close as they can. And and you look at you're getting 22 teams who are going to hit that number. You know, the per team per team revenue sharing money number that's going to be hit. It's going to be a little lower than what it would have involved 30, but it's not going to be significant. And if you want the league to go on, you need the league to make money. And as much as people, as we touched on the owners and players struggle with the MLB, um, you still need the owners to to put the team together, pay the players and be functional. You know, we, uh, we're very big at the league at monitoring what owners do every day. Like when, uh, you know, Fertitta in Houston laid off 40,000 people, when, this, when the coronavirus started, I mean, that was a big deal. I mean, he's one of the least solvent owners in the league, but, you know, he could solve on the franchise, and we're not concerned about it or anything, but right. it's more so whatever money can come in, and, and as long as the players agree to it, we would never do anything the players never agree to, or at least were comfortable doing. So Adam and, and the best of leadership team, they're very in touch with the players and speaking the players about everything that they would be comfortable doing, and it makes Makes my job a lot easier, and makes really a lot, you know, marketing and communication with the lead, well, very in sync. There's a lot of synergy there.
1: Yeah, it, it really, it obviously you're an insider, so you know the ins and outs. I mean, it, it seems from me, who's just who's just a fan and and a, I guess a budding media member per se, uh, it, it does seem that, you know, Silver and and I, I've criticized Silver in the past sometimes for being a little too player friendly and not, you know, driving a little bit more of a hammer, but it it seems he's in sync. And in times like this, like it, it really goes a long way because I do think both the players and the owners truly believe that he has their best interest at heart, which is, which is surprising given the nature of his job. So I'm curious to know, like there were a bunch, obviously we discussed a couple of the different scenarios to return to play. Um, there was just to bring back the 16 teams. There was the, the, uh, group play idea, which is kind of like a World Cup style, there was uh, a whole, uh, you know, doing away with the East and West and just doing top 16 in that, in that sense, um, taking out the conferences for the playoff seedings. So what was the next closest solution that was discussed?
0: Well, no, the, the the way it went was the votes, uh, talking to GMs, so what league talked about was the play, the World Cup tournament was probably the most likely next scenario uh i don't know if there was actually any real discussion about reseeding one to 16 uh, i think there would have been more interest in bringing all 30 teams back and finishing out the season with the schedule and tack obviously no home court but teams play who they're supposed to play and strength schedule isn't impacted uh, but the world cup play was getting a lot of traction because after um uh, evan walk's group like i mentioned they did a lot of running the numbers and while milwaukee Lakers and teams like that lost a little bit of a comp- very minimal competitive advantage. There were still, um, if you run simulations, that it was still going to be very favorable to them as top seeds. But with everything going on, if you never know, God forbid, Giannis gets you know coronavirus and he has to sit out a week, which could end up being all if not most of the regular season games that finished They could drop. Oh, sorry, not sorry. They get in, there in the World Cup play. They could lose two games to. You know, there are a lot of good teams NBA. They could lose two games to the Nets and maybe Orlando's who tends to play better towards the end of the year. I know it's its own situation now, but uh, <laughs> they just didn't think it was worth uh, putting the top seed in that situation. And, and, I mean, you don't want to upset some of the top guys in the league. You have Giannis and LeBron, and they're – I don't know what their input is, obviously, on this. I can't imagine they'd be in favor of any scenario where they're – Less likely to get to the playoff, the second, the final eight teams in the playoffs. You have to really look into all these things and take into account. And uh, you know, those were, that was really it. There was either going to be this the, the, the format that's going on or the World
1: Cup play. I don't really
0: think any of the scenario is actually ever going to happen. Got it.
1: Now, uh, two two last questions before we move on. One, were you surprised at the at the timeline, right? So it's, it's stemming from July 31st, all the way into like August 12th would be the last day. Are you surprised that it wasn't a little bit more condensed in terms of scheduling? Uh,
0: it, it made it hard to be condensed just because of the quarantine period and teams like we, we want to mitigate injury. So we do everything <laughs> player health-wise. That's always what comes first. So I, I initially did think it would start earlier. Um, in fact, we were really being told it would be around July 15th. But in terms of the timeline, it all kind of makes sense. I never thought um, they'd get the players into Orlando and then two weeks later they'd be games. The timeline really makes sense. I think I think there's just such a fine balance between keeping the players happy and healthy, and, and that's what looking towards next season. That's what will be the you know the main source of contention or at least mm-hmm. discussion when
1: talking about next year's schedule. Well, I mean, Chris Paul definitely mentioned that the that the players need, besides for just the the health concerns regarding coronavirus. I mean, they need time to get back into you know game shape, which is which is important. I mean, and and he, kind of, and the players got their wish in terms of how much time that they're going to have in terms of like a training camp. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the time is there. I mean, I would need a solid three to four months to get back into playing pickup basketball. From the amount of time I missed from coronavirus, I don't get paid, and I'm not a professional. Like I would just do that so I don't, you know, die on the court. So I imagine these guys want to do whatever they can to make sure that their season isn't ruined and they don't get hurt.
1: Well, well, we got to get you um, a Peloton and, <laughs> and get you on that Peloton grind. So the next time uh, I play, I play hoop no with you. You're not going to pass out. Um, so uh, pass me- out <laughs> <laughs> So I mentioned before Adam Silver, right? So. And and his strong relationship with the um with the players and the owners, but even still, you know, in contentious times, things can get weird. So was this him like, like sort of cashing goodwill chips in, or does he still have that stack? And he was just like, this is this is kind of what it is. Like, did he really what? have to like persuade people, or was this just like, Adam, you know, do what you got to do?
0: I don't think he had to quote unquote cash in any goodwill. I can't obviously speak to. You. The, the tightness of their relationship, I'm way too low level for that. But from my understanding and, and my experience either working um, with people who know Adam and, and being in meetings and such, I think the player is all respecting to the point, not just on his ability to understand their needs and, and the whole social justice, very conscious and aware of things. It's th- th- He's very smart. Like, he's same with Stern. These guys, when they're talking in a room where they're listening, they're not just eyes glazed over – stuff going over their head they really understand everything that's being said and where it's coming from so i don't think once we once you hear the players want to play um adam knows that and and you know you know the owners own that and the owners want the players to play but the owners also understand that the players mostly understand the players run the league it's a very player driven league so there has to be some kind of balance and deal and then no one knows that better than adam i mean he's he's very good at uh leading the room, i guess one would say and he's he didn't, I think he's just, it was more so not about when we would come back, whether or not he had to persuade anyone. It was going to be how we're going to come back. Right. And we even we, we look at everything the medical experts say from Dr. Dr. Fauci to Dr. David Ho, who was very influential with the AIDS epidemic in their nineties, eighties, nineties. And then also other, other, there are other people that we speak to <clears throat> and consult with us. Um, I've listened to more conversations about medical information than I ever thought I would. Um, And it's more so just to add, you know, he's so aware, hyper-aware, and knows everything that's going on, and he's really smart. So when you throw those things together, it's a very good recipe in dealing with a labor force. Like, it's not even just a matter of the players. It's a matter of us at the league. We're ready. They're going to send people down to this bubble. People are going to have to be there for three months you know, not seeing your family. You're not gonna be, People who work at the league office aren't going to get to bring their family like players are. And, and I haven't heard people complaining. People are ready to do it. So um, there's just a lot. It's, it's, there's a lot of comfort in knowing that we'll be taken care of. And the players know they'll be taken care of one way or the other.
1: Phil, as a budding media star, I am willing, if I get a credential, I am willing to take my talents down to Orlando. This is something um, I'm willing to do.
0: Uh, I could I, I could give you the information to the credential people, but I don't think it's gonna gonna work out. I think there's gonna be very few media there, and also I'm worried about how can you all already, so I don't want to send you to the I feel like I feel like I'd be doing
1: the world a disservice. I'm I'm just saying I, I would I would suck it up the asked. Uh so we so the, reports the WNBA get... bubble. <laughs> you know what? Just to get my foot in the door wouldn't be the worst <laughs> thing. Um, so we know that there was a, a conversation that held that a conference call between Adam and, you know, some of the top players of the league. Um, uh, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard. You know, 10 of the, like the real influential guys of the league. Steph Curry. Norman Powell. Yeah, Norman was Powell on the was on the there call. too. <laughs> yeah, he was on the call. Um, so who are the influential owners Um, in this decision, I, I, from what I, you know, saw online that Michael Jordan had a major voice in terms of the format because he wanted, he really was in really insistent on this, you know, resume play and, and the playoffs to be as, you know, to keep the integrity of, of the history of the league. So like who besides Jordan were the, uh, excuse me, the instrumental owners in, in how this, uh, kind of took place. For
0: sure, you mentioned Michael Jordan. I mean, his voice is always going to speak heavier than some of the other guys because he's, he's the greatest to ever play it. Um, Adam, <clears throat> Adam has a, a different – I don't want to say different, but he has a level of respect for Michael that's probably hard to measure just because of his influence on the brand, right. the league, and has been working in – has been in the NBA for 25, 30 years. 40 years – not 30 years, I think it sounds about right um, – and generally, uh, there are definitely owners that are more vocal. Uh, and whether or not Adam will listen to them, you know, it depends. Again, it's, a, it, it's the same idea. He knows kind of what his idea is, and he likes to listen to what everyone has to say. So you know that a uh, Mark Cuban is going to offer his thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. An Adam will take them seriously, but it's a matter of if it, is it the best idea? You know, let's bring it. Let's talk about it as a group. Uh, and I know Cuban had his own idea for a playing tournament. Uh, that we didn't use but i'm sure it was something that was heavily weighed uh the older owners i think are a little beyond being listened to like i don't think a herb simon in indiana is getting a lot of um <clears throat> clout in terms of return to play format uh but it's a lot of the guys who are very innovative very on their toes thinking of the lake of uh in, in golden state even though he probably wasn't too interested in bringing his team back. Adam's going to listen if he has thoughts. Uh,
1: like, I don't know. I don't know
0: what what, what Adam's listening to in terms of the James Dolan's thoughts. My personal hope would be he's not listening to them at all. But you never know.
1: I echo, some, same, really, I, I echo those same. Sorry. Yeah, I echo <laughs> those same thoughts regarding James Dolan. Let's uh let's leave him out of this. But anyway.
0: Uh-huh. But yeah, it's going to be Jordan. Um and uh I can't say that some of the new guys might have very good input. Like Fortita in Houston is very animated. He's very much a guy in these meetings who he always talks. I know at every Board of Governors meetings he's, he's definitely talking a lot. Sai uh, Ujiri in Toronto, I know he's not the owner, but he gave, uh, gave thoughts about social justice, and I, I imagine a little bit on those return to play. And Tannenbaum, who owns the team, is also very influential as well. Um, but I, I don't say outside of Jordan in this instance, I'd assume the big group effort from the teams that are more involved in the playoffs and more owners who are you know, let's say 40s, 50s, not, not on the older side of things. So I'd, I'd be curious to know who uh, was really against this. I know Portland was against it, as you've seen the reports. Well, they, they were the
1: only one that voted against it, right? They were the one team yeah. in, in the 29-1 to 1 vote. I, why did they vote against it? I mean, they're in.
0: They voted against it because they felt the 20-team format gave them a better chance to make the playoffs, which is probably true, to be honest, um, because they, now they don't they have to play – are they'll be a team that's in a playing game and they'll be the nine seed and they'll have to win two games against Memphis or New Orleans or whoever is there, which is, which could be Dallas. It's it's a tough thing to do. If you're in a world play world cup format and they're the team in a, in a pool with say Boston and as much as I love Celtics, Boston and say Denver, Portland could win that, could win that pool. Like uh, could win that division. So I understand why they voted against it. I think it makes them look a little bad that they're the only team that voted against it. Um, but at the end of the day, that Portland and and we kind of let people the fans don't care of Portland, I have to say
1: <laughs> well, let, well, let's uh, you know that's actually a great segue to the next question. And I I'll be as honest as you possibly can. How much mm-hmm. did the presence of Zion Williamson being involved in this influence the decision?
0: From my understanding, and again, I don't know real, you know, closed doors, all these people talking, I don't know. Uh, what the conversation was but my understanding was zero percent was um if you want to finish the season without the 16 teams like if you want to go beyond that i mean new orleans is right is one of the teams right th- right outside of the playoff picture so they have to be in it it's, it's one thing if they were in the phoenix spot and then you're thinking about well they're the last western conference team to be in they could have just gotten 20 teams et cetera. then maybe you have some questions but i defend I defend the league in every aspect here that I don't think it had anything to do with T V and getting Zion on. I think ratings would be so good anyway because no one's watching anything else. I'm gonna watch the colonial golf tournament on Sunday. Why I don't know, but like there's nothing to watch, so people are gonna watch regardless.
1: Right. Uh, a lot of people when they listen to this are gonna roll their eyes at that, even though what you said is very logical and sound. They're they're gonna roll their eyes though. Because Understandably.
0: I mean and it's it's the ratings, Bonanza. You look at the ratings for the Pelicans games that were all sprinkled across national television with the Warriors games that crushed our ratings numbers, but it's it's they're they're a good team. They were on the track for the playoffs. They had a real shot. I mean, ten games left or four games out roughly, and they have one of the easier schedules remaining. I they're they're in a the race. I mean you saw uh, I've seen my Boston Red Sox blow plenty of division leads from now until 1949. So I, I think anything's possible.
1: Uh, one quick thing I wanted to ask you. Um, so Zach Lowe suggested uh, that the uh, the last two playoff spots – should be in play for the east more so for like two western conference teams to be able to take those those spots what what were your thoughts on that he had this whole convoluted thing of how they were going to do it but what were your thoughts on that because let's face it like no not a whole lot of uh people really want to see orlando and and brooklyn without the, the star power of durant and kyrie um as opposed to a couple of the western <laughs> conference teams what were your thoughts
0: I mean, I, as a fan, it makes a lot of sense. I, I don't think it's something And –
1: I'm a big Zach Lowe fan.
0: I've gotten to uh, spend some time with him at events, um, and he's very smart. He's very much like – you could have been a kid who went like half and he wouldn't even realize it. Uh, and, and I think it makes sense from a fan perspective. I think it's something you'd have to establish before the season starts. I think it's very hard. It's like when you're a commissioner of a fantasy football league, not that I have any experience doing that. It's all rule changes. <laughs> no matter the situation, have to be uh, made before the season starts. And I know we're in a unique circumstance, but it's the same idea. Like, you know how w- w- players now can come back. If Durant wanted to come back healthy and play, he could. It's right. Because in theory, it's the same regular season. There should be nothing holding him back from, from coming back. It's it's more so anything would have to kind of be done before the season starts. And I like the concept. I'm always in favor of the 1-16 to receding. I think we could always work with travel and such. Um, And it's an interesting nugget that he threw in there, but I think if you're going to replay the regular season and finish it out, it still should remain with the two conferences. You have to give Orlando credit for what they've done. It's hard to take that away from them.
1: I agree. I actually, you know what? I would actually go the opposite way. Like in a crazy year, this is the year to do the one through 16. Um, But – but as Zach mentioned in a prior podcast, and I'm a huge Zach Lowe fan, also I listen to almost everything he puts out. Uh, I do believe that going forward, that there, you know, certain rivalries, like for example, years years ago, the the Spurs and the Lakers played, I think four out of five years in the playoffs. Like rivalries like that are are based on the conferences, and I I don't want that to be lost for you know the quote unquote fairness per se like that that's an integral part of of the game in my opinion
0: yeah i think though what you've seen now I mean obviously it'd be very cool i, I mean I'm, it's hard to replicate like a Celtics lakers final so if you have a Celtics lakers first round it's not so interesting um but also i think now in the nba it's more all the rivalries are skewing towards player versus player like uh, it's not there yet but i think in a five to ten years we'll be more concerned about You know, like, I I, it's not going to happen for the Knicks. Let's say RJ Barrett becomes a superstar and Zion's a superstar. There'll be some sort of friendly rivalry no matter what team they're on. It could be Pelicans, Knicks, or it could be wherever they end up. I think at some point we'll be hitting that point where people will care less about your classic rivalries and more about player versus player, because that's really how the world works now.
1: Well, when that really fully happens, I'll probably be the old man yelling at clouds um, the way that used to be. But anyway... Uh, the TV- your hope
0: are be the Knicks oh, yeah. are good, and and you'll be the hopes are the Knicks are good like seven years from now, and you're rooting for RJ Barrett against the world. But odds are not in your favor.
1: <laughs> because being a Knicks fan is the worst experience in pro sports. But anyway, uh, the TV the TV format. So do you know how the scheduling is going to work? Like I I overheard that there's going to be um, that they're basically going to do it like summer league. That, it, that it's going to be like an all day thing.
0: So I, I have a little insight into this. It, it will be an all-day thing, all thing with games like 12, 2, 4. I don't know the timing exactly, but I, I think it'll be about five to six games a day.
1: Wow. Um, oh, my God. Um,
0: and from my understanding, uh, they would. I don't know what we would be able to telecast on, say, NBA TV. You still have your Turner ESPN game. They're, they're negotiating stuff with that. Um, but it, the games are going to be on League Pass, so, and I don't know what they'll do with League Pass if they'll give some kind of free experience for this i was joking that it's a great time for league pass to just make a ton of money if they have people have to buy a league pass for the next you know month before the right before, before the po- playoff start um but it will definitely be game that would day. be
1: that uh, would be some type of money grab though you're right i don't know so i don't know what they're
0: gonna do i i, I mean i'm always in favor of the free giveaway stuff but it is a business you know they got to do what they got to do and, and i'm sure whatever it would be would be very reasonable i don't doubt that i don't think it'd be like some wild price but either way the games have to be on the local networks right. so whether or not they can simulcast it on TV, i have no idea but um it, for, it's supposed to be i think at least five games a day and then it'll be like that every day for until you get to the playoffs
1: good lord that's gonna be wonderful 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 um one thing it'll about the, the st-
0: days go by a little faster
1: oh yeah one, one thing about the scheduling um have they figured out how they're going to? Obviously, you know, like the Pelicans, for example, had the had the easiest schedule remaining, right? Uh, Memphis had a more difficult schedule, given the fact that they're only bringing back x number of teams. Are they going to wait the schedules at all? And and what what can they really do to, I guess, give, you know, the Pelicans as close to that kind of easy schedule um, as possible? It's a it's,
0: it's- it's a tough question, and I think – and it's been a lot on TV a lot. Brian Windhorse has talked about this a lot recently. It's not going to be 100% fair. It's not, it's just not going to happen. Well, it can't Right, it can't be. But people go in with expectations. They're like, this isn't fair. This is – you know, Memphis is going to now miss the playoffs. I'm a diehard Grizzlies fan. Like, they're going to be upset. But at the end of the day, we're doing what we can in the situation. So, as as I'm sure you've read, the schedule will be – you play the teams that were left on your schedule, and if you're the Celtics and you're supposed to play the Hawks, you'll skip that game, uh, and then right. they, they try to replace it as as fairly as they can. But ultimately, it's not going to be as fair as it would have been if everyone was playing, um, and it's going to rub some people the wrong way, especially if we get down to the final
1: days, and, and it really makes an impact on the playoff season. Yeah, my biggest thing throughout all of this was, and I, I think this, in regards to a large, you know to life in general. Like not everything is going to be perfect. Something is better than nothing. And this is definitely something. And And the NBA should be commended uh, for that uh, as well as the NHL. I mean, the NHL went out of, uh, out of its comfort zone in terms of their formatting. And I don't blame them for doing that either, but uh, I definitely loved it. Love this format. Uh, one last question before I let you go. Um, so obviously the teams that are not involved uh, will be lottery teams. Um, you have a couple of teams that were projected to be lottery teams that may end up getting into the playoffs. So so what are they planning on doing in terms of are they gonna lock the seedings for for lottery spots? Like how's that gonna look?
0: So you're saying in the case if you're let's say the Wizards and you get into the playoffs or you're the Suns or um Yeah, I'll say you're the Suns and you get into the playoffs. I think right. they're gonna I don't think there's been a finalization on that, and I don't really know what the discussion's been. Uh, I've heard some ideas kicked around where they, they're they not going to lock the seating right now. Um, they'll lock the guys who are not there. So those eight teams will be locked in. And then uh, I think they they could eventually end up locking the seating from, from nine to six to 15 or whatever the number is. Um, but there also might be an element of, let's say, if you're Phoenix <clears throat> and you're supposed to be the ninth pick, or sorry, if you're uh, – Sorry, if you're the Wizards, you're supposed to be the ninth pick, or Suns, you're supposed to be the tenth pick, whatever it might be, or in the tenth spot for the lottery on. There could be a scenario where you play yourself out of the lottery, but my guess uh, is that they will lock the seating ultimately because of when the lottery is scheduled. But it's still something to change. I mean, they're still trying to figure a lot of stuff out. I would would personally lock the seats now because I think it ultimately – Creates a little more intrigue. I think I like the idea. If I'm if I'm a Wizards fan, and my team has a shot to make the postseason, and you somehow get a top three pick from the lottery, I mean that revives the fan base. Uh, right. There are teams at that, that level. They have sons Suns, who have a good fan base, but you know their owners been criticized and haven't been good in a while. The Spurs are a team who always are have a big following, and if they could somehow, you know, get back on top in a couple of years with the time. not of these guys who are coming in are necessarily world breakers, but you never know what can happen if the ball goes to Spurs and some of it even more interesting team, who's against that, you know?
1: Right. I, I guess it's just trying to, you know, limit the uh, the minor tanking that can happen. Okay. So I actually thought of uh, two more last questions um, and then yeah. and then I'll let you go. Uh, one, have they figured out what they're going to do in terms of like the crowd noise? Has, um, has that been like a major issue with the league or do they just be like, listen, we're going to televise it in, more intimate settings, and it's going to look a little different, but we're not really concerned about having that in arena uh, sound to it.
0: They're still talking about all these ideas for some kind of home court or some kind of advantage uh, with sound as well. I've actually only heard the same stuff that's been reported about it using 2K sounds, but that's very much, that might, that could be something that's decided until the week before games start. I don't think that's something, um, there's no, there there's so many other things to figure out I think that's that's
1: kind of last of the list. right so I guess the na- the last question is you just mentioned that home court um, what what can they possibly do to um, to reward the home court for the Lakers what do you, for the, well, uh, if you
0: were if you were a Lakers fan how would you want instead to think of something or anything that you've read that's been out there what would your what are your fan thoughts essentially
1: um so Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon um, spoke about it, having the home team get the first possession of, of quarters 2, 3, and 4 for their home games. So if the top seed, so let's say in the 1-8 matchup, you have Orlando and Milwaukee. Milwaukee will get uh, the first possession um, in those three or four quarters, uh, guaranteed four games, 1-2, five and seven and Orlando would get them for three, four and six. Theoretically. I think that was one. I mean, other than that, I, I, I think the, uh, the idea of like giving like the best player or the most important player, like an extra foul, like that's goofy. Like that's weird. Um, that's, that's way too like gimmicky. For yeah, me. I don't, I don't like that one either. It's stupid. Uh, cause that's not the rules, <laughs> right? That's not the rules of basketball. The way the game is officiated. Uh, I really don't know. I, I don't know, I, I, to be totally honest.
0: I like. I have a couple of thoughts that I've had. Uh, and I think I've heard one of these mentioned on a podcast. The reported stuff that has been come out as like the uh, give the best teams the choice of hotel. I, I'm not against I think it's a funny idea. I'm against it. It's just because it seems very elitist, and it's like, I don't know. I don't think we should be you know, you know, putting people in certain hotels just because they their regular. Everyone, we're all mixed together in terms of like uh, – yeah. I don't think Orlando, I don't <laughs> I think,
1: think the Orlando funny. Magic or the uh, or let's say the uh, the Phoenix Suns are going to be staying in La Quinta as opposed to the Lakers who are staying right. in like some some oh, posh Lakers ass hostel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I like the concept of having uh, so so that's the thing. Teams are very limited on what they could send down there. Um, I think the number is thirty five or something in terms of total personnel they could send. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of giving them control of the in arena noises in arena sounds like that can be, whether it's music or if it, they do have some way to filter in crowd noise or something like that. I like the idea of giving, they designate someone and they talk it out as part of the game plan. Um, I don't think that will happen, but I think it's a creative idea to a very, very unique problem.
1: Uh, so, so like uh, for example... Hold on one second. So for, like, uh-huh. like Laker home games, you can have, like, somebody make, you know, let's go Lakers chance and have him in the background, like something like that.
0: Right. They they have a whole deck of – or, or sound right. of what they can come up with. They have the, the music that's going to be played during games, they can could, they could have control of it. Basically, you have know, free reign. You, obviously, you can't do stuff like a guy's taking a foul shot. Sure, you might be able to hit a button that creates a lot of noise, but, like, when he's about to shoot, you don't, know, like, hit the button that, that's like a horn, you know, like but stuff like, like that. Like, like, it's more like,
1: a, like an air horn when somebody's, like – Almost at the release, like, ah! <laughs> right, yeah, not <laughs> like stuff. that, but like something where they, they have control of the atmosphere as much as they can. Right.
0: I think that I think the idea of bringing floors, I read that people are going to want, want them to bring floors. I think that's silly, but so I think it's more about it's the, the atmosphere floor. there, right. Yeah, it's absurd. I mean, there's a lot to deal with from an operation standpoint. I only get to see some of the operations stuff, and I have a colleague who works very closely in the media operation, and it's and it's nuts. It's nuts for events when we go and we know or we go to All Star, we know what's there. Uh, so I would, I don't know, some guy, God forbid, gets hurt because part of the floor is sticking up, or you get a guy dribbling and the ball hits the floor and it bounces weird, and that design. Yeah, different. but that's, I can't so that's imagine. Nightmare.
1: Yeah, but I can't imagine that it's not going to be top notch. It's going to be NBA. Regulated floors. It just made to have the NBA logo in the middle, as opposed to a Bucks logo or a Clippers logo or whatever. No, so
0: I'm saying if you if you bring if the lake, if the Clippers bring their Staples Center's floor and got it during the setup, sure it should be top notch. Everything should be great. But you go, you can go to any NHL arena, and I know it's ice and it's all different. But these arenas are not they're not kept perfectly. Same with MLB uh, and uh, grounds crews. I've seen all the detail they do in those works, but it's not always perfect. And basketball courts, I mean. They're always there. They're always kind of on the floor. They just get taken off. They're not really reassembled very difficultly. So to bring it to a whole different place, put it on top of another basketball court and take that one. I don't know. It just seems like a lot to do. And I, as someone who could barely put together a Lego set with children, I don't know if I, if I would want new floors being put down for every game.
1: Well, you're talking to the least handy person, I think, on the face of this earth. But I, I can't... That's the one thing I'm not nervous about. Like, they're, that's going to figure itself out but the home court thing is interesting phil this was awesome this was awesome really insightful uh i'm excited for the league to be back i mean i've been really bullish on this for a while i have i i even said june 1st well that didn't happen but i'm just happy i'm just happy i'm just happy we're back and and i still offer my services for a media member uh we we can
0: talk about we can talk about a WNBA bubble, possibly. I, I probably won't even be going
1: down for the NBA.
0: Um, so it, it's going to be a tight, tight squeeze. You might be able to get on some Zoom calls, though. We could maybe figure that out. Let's,
1: let's do it. I'm available. I'm willing and available. Uh, anyway, Phil, this was great. Uh, really good stuff, as always. Thanks for uh, shedding uh, some insider light uh, with us. And um, have a great rest of the night. And we'll speak to you soon. And thank God the NBA is yeah. back.
0: No problem. Stay safe and uh, Moshe Cook sucks. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Speak <laughs> to you later. Bye. Thanks again to Phil Bausk for coming on, giving his time, giving a little uh, behind the scenes stuff uh, for the return of the NBA. The NBA is coming back. This is awesome. Uh, that's episode eighty for the love of the game. Take us out, Snoop and Dre. Song for the two triple O coming real. It's the next episode. Hold up. Hey, oh my to be thinking we soft, we don't play. We gon' rock it till the wheels fall off. Hold up, wait. Hey, oh my to be acting too bold. Take a seat. Hope you're ready for the next episode. Hey. Coming at you, puffin' smoke,
0: yeah, puffin' smoke, smoke coming at you, puffin' smoke, yeah,
1: puffin' smoke, coming at you, puffin' smoke. Thank you for listening to Believe.